Welcome to the Radical Lifestyle Podcast, where you will be inspired by the past, equipped for the present, and prepared for the future, as we engage in conversations with people from around the world. Today, we have Andrea Williams from Christian Concern joining us. Uh, Andrea, before we jump into the conversation, can you just say a bit about who you are, where you're from, and what you do? Yes, hello there. It's really wonderful to be with you uh, today. I am the Chief Executive of Christian Concern and the Christian Legal Centre. Those organisations have uh, existed in their current form for about 11 years now. And we seek to speak of Jesus Christ at the heart of public life in law, in media and in politics. I trained uh, as a barrister myself. I qualified in 1988. I practised in criminal and family law. If you'd ever told me when I was training to be a barrister, that one day I would be involved in cases where Christians were losing their jobs simply for saying that marriage was between a man and a woman. I said, never, that could never possibly happen. If you'd ever told me that I would be defending street preachers for preaching the gospel on the streets of Great Britain, I said, I said, that could never possibly happen. If you had told me that I would be representing 11-year-old children who had been removed from the classroom because they didn't want to promote pride. I said that couldn't possibly happen. If you told me that it was possible to change sex and uh, for children, even in primary schools, to be told that five and six-year-olds can change their sex from male to female, I said this couldn't possibly happen. But here we are living that reality and our cases at the Christian Legal Centre have been reflecting, reflect, reflecting that. So it's an, it's an extraordinary story. So those are the organisations that I run and I'm filming uh, today from central London, from our offices in central London, uh, which we uh, have, which we're in by God's provision, by God's goodness. We have a, support, a supporter base that we're in touch with of around 80,000 people. But just as we're doing here right now, of course, very involved um, in seeking to make this message known as wide and as broadly as possible and to contend for God's truth, God's beauty, God's righteousness at the heart of this nation of Great Britain, but also uh, that we might, that what we are, that what's occurring to us, which I think is very often almost ahead of the curve uh, across the nations of the world uh, in terms of, I think, of our, what we've had, but also of our rejection of God's ways. It's really seeking to make that known, to act as a, a warning uh, to, to, to nations across the world. So for, for people listening in America, you would be kind of a parallel to the ACLJ? The American yes, Centre exactly. for Law, Jay Sekulow, to the um, Jay Sekulow and the ACLJ. Yes, that's yes. right. Yes, so it would be the people listening in America it would be a, a, a similar organisation. Yes, right. That's the, the Christian Legal Centre bit, uh, which is all about the the Christian interest cases. But we're also a group that, uh, in fact, this morning, this very morning before this this uh, um, this recording, um, I actually asked for this recording to be moved because we are speaking to members of parliament uh, on the, the liberalising of abortion during this lockdown COVID period, whereby access to pills by post that mean abortion for women are, 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 are going on. 
with no proper scrutiny. And we're in court in the high, we're in the Court of Appeal next week on that, but we've been speaking to parliamentarians about this issue. So that's also what we seek to do, and we seek to educate the church. And I suppose that that's less of a, so it's a, a legal resource, but also an education resource to equip the church on what it is that's going on. And we also have, there's another part of our ministry, the Wilmforce Academy, which seeks to raise up a next generation of young men and women. And I know that your ministry is all about that too, but younger men, men and women that say that the truth of Jesus Christ is public truth, that he stands at the center, that all truth is in him and flows from him, and that they will be bold and courageous at the heart of public life. And also we have an in-house publishing house called Wilmforce Publications, where we have a number of books, again, seeking to educate Christians here and much further well, I'll just say one thing before I know Andrew's going to pick up something there. First of all, I'm not saying this patronisingly and it's not something I don't think I've said on any podcast like this. Um, but thank you for being a voice. Thank you for, for standing and being a voice in this nation and, um, and that you are an organisation we can get behind and, and run in the stream that you're making. And, and I think in many ways you are a prophetic voice standing at this time and we need prophetic voices like yours. So, again, not patronising, but thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. you. And I know you're bursting to say something now, Andrew. Say it. Well, I don't know what you're thinking. But, Wilberforce. Uh, it, well, I mean, yeah. Uh, I hope Wilberforce is, a, is um, uh, an inspiration for sure, for, for many people, for many reasons. I'm involved with the place, which is a home of his former fam, his family, uh, his auntie, uncles, people that are part of that Clapham group that, that stood with him yeah. for the fighting of the abolition of slavery. And um, uh, I'm a, a trustee there. And one of our things is to see a generation rise up in that spirit of Wilberforce. Um, if Wilberforce was here today, what would he be standing for? What would he be fighting against? Um, so yeah, he's... I mean, we could go off on a whole other conversation <laughs> yes. on that one, but uh, we, we can save that for another time. It might be worth having a conversation uh, well, outside I mean, of I this. Think in, in the Western world, um, what is the greatest injustice of our time in the Western world? Um, and we have to contend for the injustice that is on our doorstep. And of course, I would say that the, the equivalent issue in our times is abortion. Yeah. And there, there is a reality that in 1967, the Abortion Act was passed. And since that time, there have been nine and a half million abortions in the United Kingdom. There'll be 850 abortions uh, today, this very day. It's clocking like that. Lives are going missing. And in a sense, who does God have to speak on behalf of the unborn children? Only the people that know him, only the people that love him, that see them um, as human beings. I mean, one of the points about the slaves was that society had been so uh, propagandized so as to think that the black person was less human, that the black person could be a slave. That's abhorrent. Yeah. But we have grown so accustomed to thinking that the pre-born child, that the fetus, that the embryo is not human. But we were all embryos once. 
And, you know, and that's, and that's the reality. And so there is no voice on behalf of the unborn child, but also on behalf of the women who have been so propagandized, and that's what it is, you know, they know no, they, they know no other way to act. The mums and the dads know no other, they think if there's an unplanned pregnancy, this is a problem and the solution to the problem is abortion. And they think that is civilized. And we, and because it hurts, because the reality of abortion hurts so deeply, you then have a situation where there's a veil of silence, so the women do not speak. Mm. And the church therefore does not speak, for the church fears to hurt those in their midst that are hurting as a result of this. And the only way that we can crack this open is by naming, naming it, stating it for what it is, saying sorry, talking about the forgiveness and the hope and the restoration that's found in Jesus Christ. But in our communities, by being the healing houses, the hope houses, being the places where men and women with unplanned pregnancies can come and say, we're stuck, can you help us? And the church is then to be the hope house, to be the hands and the feet, to help the woman to keep the baby. If the woman and the, the mum and dad are not together, if they are together to help them keep the baby. And if, and if not, then we should be looking as the church to save the babies, picking up the widows, picking up the orphans. And you know, this is, so that for me is the equivalent issue in our day. And I've spent a lifetime contending on this and we'll be in the Court of Appeal next week. But the reality is that society and the institutions hate this message. Yeah. Well, before, yeah. before we move on, what was it? We spoke to the federal prosecutor in Brazil. Yeah. Um, one, one of the federal prosecutors out there has uh, become a good friend of ours and he's doing a lot fighting these issues and child did, abuse in, in Brazil. But he said about the law, he said the law is the... Uh, I don't want to misquote. Um, and I'm sure people listening might correct us by going and checking the other podcast, but it was something like um, the the legal system is the unused spiritual weapon of the church, or something to that effect, basically. But but the church doesn't use the legal system as much as it should do. I think that there is the the, the point about it is this that um, and we saw the Paul using the legal system. You know, it is there in in order for us to hold authorities to account. Mm-hmm. And when there are bad laws, we should expose their, those bad laws because in order to make good laws, I mean, there is, there is a commandment, there's a biblical commandment that says do not kill. And that, and that should be overarching. We need to make that case in Parliament and we need to make that case in court. During this lockdown period, um, despite the government saying there would be no liberalisation around abortion, the abortion lobby used the opportunity to extend the giving out of pills by post. So now women up to nine weeks and six days gestation, just if they say it on the phone, can have pills posted to them. They take the first pill and the second pill some 24 or so hours later, and that's an abortion. That completely takes away any care for the women, any checks that she's in fact at the gestational age that she says, that she is or that the, babe, that the baby is. So it actually completely um, takes away all the safeguards for care 
for women. And this has happened in this period. And we know that there has been some 40 or 50,000 applications for the pills by post. Can you imagine that 50,000 lives that will not be born seven, eight, nine months from now um, as a result of being given these abortion pills by post. So it's very serious, but it's the law that can, can hold a check on that. It's the law that can challenge that. It's the law that is a remedy, even if you have judicial activism, even if you have judges that are part of the system, what you do um, by contending within the law is hold the government and hold the system to account and expose what it is that's going on. These are the tools, uh, the governmental tools that we are given in order to expose the injustice and in order to contend for justice. Yeah, and it's important that we have organisations like you that are keeping on top of this because sadly, governments do you moments of use moments of crisis to try and sneak bills in and get things done underground. And I mean, with this subject, even if you look at what's happening in America, it's gone so far left. You even now have leaders there saying that we should even consider allowing babies to be killed after birth. That's and it. so, you know, if if we don't keep a check on it and people like you aren't there to keep a check on it, you know, who knows how far it could possibly go even in this nation, uh, given the way that the US and UK kind of follow each other in, in different ways, historically course, anyway. Of course, this is happening in a wider sense with the church during lockdown. Things are happening that we need a voice about. And I think that many people don't see so could you could you tell us what do you see happening here in the uk and that is reflected in other nations in respect of the church during this period since about march till now yes well i would say that for the past 50 or 60 years in our nation um i am going to speak from march to now but i want to just want yeah, to give yeah. the, back, the quick backdrop you know we've been a yeah. nation that's been mightily blessed of course imperfect everything is imperfect this side of heaven uh in, in this side of christ's return but we've been a, a nation that's been mightily blessed because our unwritten constitution our monarchy our laws are very much rooted in a biblical foundation a biblical backdrop dating right back to the magna carta mm. and the church has been free and the gospel has underpinned our society in law, in parliamentary systems, in education, even in medicine. All of this, this great idea of these great institutions being undergirded with Christian principles. And our common law, what was the common law? Well, the common law was actually biblical law. That not that incredible just to think about that, that it was actually mm. biblical law. And that's what's underpinned us. And again, although history our history may not be perfect there is a sense in which these systems are being exported across the world to good effect and many people look to us as having the gold standard for these systems for not for us not being corrupt but what we've seen in the last 20 or 30 years is a human rights system coming in replacing a common law system so human rights compete they vie and they deny really that there's any other source apart from humanity as an arbiter of truth. That's where it's landed. It's not that it wasn't their original intention, but it's where it's landed in the law. It's how it's been interpreted as time has gone on. So it's the idea that you, there's a reference point of a 
supreme being, the God of the Bible, the common law Bible, uh, we've now rendered it to being each truth being arguable, disputable within, uh, within the court. So that's what we are current, that's where our system has gone. But as a result of all of this, um, we've, we've also let go of um, fundamental biblical principles such as the protection of life. So 1967, we permitted the Abortion Act. The idea that marriage is to be held in very high regard. What we've done is we've done away, um, we've made it easier to access divorce. That started back in 1969, 1973, but we, that has led to the wholesale redefining of family within the law. Um, not just about marriage and divorce, uh, even to the point whereby marriage, marriage became between two men and two women. Well, that just rides roughshod over God's principles. I say all of this to say how we end up then going into a period of great chaos within Parliament. If anyone can remember, before COVID, there was 18 months of discussing nothing but Brexit. Yeah. Well, that was a time of complete and utter confusion. Nobody knew what was going to happen. Who would have ever thought um, a year before Boris Johnson became Prime Minister that he could possibly be Prime Minister? I mean, we were in absolute chaos, distracted, you know, Parliament wasn't, was almost paralysed, as Parliament is, in some senses, during COVID. But what happens during that period is that some terrible things can go through. So what have we seen since March, since COVID locked us down? Well, all scrutiny in Parliament has gone out the window suddenly because there's an emergency, suddenly because there's a health emergency and we must protect the NHS and we must protect the public, suddenly emergency legislation is going through and they say it's in order to protect the public. Well, we want to protect the public. We not, don't want to be reckless. We, as Christians, we must always be wise and not reckless. But what has happened in all this confusion is Emergency legislation has gone through. So during, since March, we've, the first thing that happened was, I, I've been talking a lot about abortion today, but that's because it's very live. But the first thing that happened was despite the ministers of state for health saying there'll be no change to the law on abortion, the lobbies were so strong that that went through without parliamentary scrutiny and was passed by way of a regulation. Now we've got extremely liberal laws. No fault divorce went through. It's easier for me to divorce my husband of 30 years than to get out of my pension. That went through during lockdown. We've got a situation whereby there's a ban, a really big push, parliamentary push, to ban so-called conversion therapy. Well, that's banning people that want to access help to move away from unwanted sexual behaviors, often same-sex behaviors, but unwanted sexual behaviors. They want to ban that. Well, that's gonna ban the church. That's gonna ban people talking about certain sins. That's got, that is going through, there's a massive push on that. And they've also, well, this is what happened. The church said, here you are government, you can have our keys. We will close our doors. That's what the Church of England said in order 
um, to ensure health and safety. So the government said this was an issue, but then the, the, the Church of England acted, preemptively acted, but then the government said, unless you close your doors, you will be criminalized. So suddenly you get a situation whereby the church is told, shut your doors. If not, there will be criminal action against you. Now at that point, um, this is what we did because we brought a legal action. Um, the, I don't think that the church realized what it was surrendering because what the church has become is so non-essential to the, the, the public conversation in this country. So the way it wasn't the government's fault, they viewed us as less important than Sainsbury's. They viewed us less important than the NHS. They viewed us less important than the um, off licenses. They viewed us in the same category as gyms, as hairdressers, as non-essential services. And this was a moment for the church to say, government, we're gonna show you who we are. We are the hope houses, we're the healing houses, we're the you know, people of body, mind, spirit, and we need to speak to the souls of people. And, and, and I believe that respectfully and respecting proper health rules, we should have been at the forefront. We should have been the true Nightingale hospitals. Say we've got our doors open, if you're lonely, if you're hurting, if you're sad, if you need a visit, we're here. Because we know that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we knew the great healer. And we can, we can come and we can bring that hope and that healing to your household because we can speak to your soul because Christ wants to meet you. And as I said, we all went behind our closed doors. We thought we were going to put on a great Zoom. We're going to put on a great online ministry. Isn't it exciting? Look at all the people that are listening in. And in the meantime, people, there are a lot of people falling through that net. So we shut ourselves down and that was our legal case that we brought. Um, and even now, you know, the regulations are so, the guidance, we, because of, I believe absolutely because of the case that we brought, that the government understood the principle of church autonomy and they backed down, they stopped the decriminalizing and they now say that their guidelines are just that, guidelines only. So I think that was a very important win. Yeah, I know, if, um, at least for me personally, um, when everything was shut down for the safety of the public, I was okay. I was like, okay, look, this is the same rule for everyone. Everyone shut down. Let's do our bit. They opened up um, essentials. I was like, okay, okay. The church still isn't allowed to do its thing, but only essentials. Okay, fine. We'll let this go. When they then started talking about opening up non-essentials and the church wasn't even considered non-essential, we're, that, that, we're so unimportant, even non-essentials can open before us. At that point, I was like, okay, this is getting a little crazy now. Something needs to be done. Someone needs to say something. And then we heard about what you were doing. Um, we saw a pastor posting about it, Brad Norman. Yes, that's it, um, yeah. And so uh, we saw through his posts more about what you guys were doing. Um, I get, you, you touched a bit on sort of the update there and the government backing down. Where are things at now? Um, yes. Wh so, where, where are you going with it now? 
Yeah. So what we're doing is um, we are in the process of um, writing back to considering whether we withdraw completely, because although the government has said that um, the guide is that there is now no longer a criminal sanction and that there are and that the, the guidance that they're given is just that guidance, which we are really pleased about. Um, they didn't concede the principle of church autonomy. So there's a, there's, a, there's a principle to be still contended for. But I think that where we're heading really is to say, thank you to the government. You heard, that what, you heard what we said. We accept there can be guidance, but we need to be open. Um, and I think that this is a time for the church. I hope the church has, well, I say I hope, but I'm not sure that it has, um, will be woken up, will understand what we were risking. I think part of the problem is that a lot of, even in response to the guidance, a lot of churches are saying, well, it's still dangerous to reopen. Um, we, you know, it's all of this guidance, such as you've got to sing behind a perspex screen and only one person can sing. All these kind of things are going on. And again, this is not about me saying, be reckless yeah but we are we are going beyond the government guidance and we are keeping ourselves closed and i think we need to actually think very courageously about how we can serve a lost and a broken and a hurting not just a congregation but the people a people a nation that is groaning under the weight of sin yeah groaning I mean under the weight of sin yeah. And we have to be vocal and visible for the Lord Jesus Christ. And yeah. it's as if we're wet. It's as if we are, you know, we just, we fear the government. We fear man. We obey the government. It's like we obey the government before without, without a God lens. Mm. Totally. You know, yeah. instead of saying, you know, what, when the government com compels us to do that which is contrary to God's purpose, yeah, you know, we need to be alert. And when the, go when the government during this period is extending death by abortion, is killing off, you know, marriages are, there is no regard for marriage and family in effect, then, and the church isn't alive to that, then there's something to say about that. Yeah, I think... You know, some people might look at this situation and say, well, it's no big deal. I mean, what are they ultimately doing? And I think that it's worth people really thinking about what, what's happening in some other situations. You know, what direction could we be going? So, let I mean, we can go to the extreme and look at some reports which have come out about China and India uh, that I've seen in the last few days where they're actually saying to Christians, you have to denounce your faith. Otherwise, we're not going to give you aid. And so that's kind of, you know, we can go to those kinds of extremes or, OK, people may say, well, that's, you know, you're just trying to scare people. OK, well, let's go to America then. So in California, um, I saw a friend of mine today was talking about this and how in California they're saying to people, it's OK for thousands of you to go out protesting on the streets. No problem, no danger. But it's not OK for the church to have small group Bible studies. And yeah. so. Uh, he said, look, I don't want to have a persecution complex, but it's hard to see in that situation how that isn't a direct oppression of the church. But, 
talking the, yeah. talking about sorry finish no no go on talking about persecution we have been in many persecuted nations ourselves as a ministry and I did a, a kind of wouldn't call it a survey because it wasn't that professional but it it was kind of a very amateur survey and I asked people in those nations what asked them two questions one which is relevant now how did this nation come to be a persecuted nation and not 100% but over and over I heard this reply one little freedom was taken away then another then another and then another until we couldn't turn it back and, I mean, that's what you're talking about. That's what we're talking about. Standing back and letting little freedoms being taken away until we can't turn them back. Yeah. Well, I used to think that the church will wake up when someone is arrested and put in prison. Well, the street preachers have been arrested and locked up in cells. I've been and got them out. Uh, I thought the church will get arrested when... Um, Marriage is redefined to two men and two. Sorry, the, the, the church will wake up when marriage is redefined. No, the church will wake up when you have animal human hybrids. That's the mixing of cow's eggs and human sperm. No, that the church will wake up when she's forcibly closed. No, okay, God, no, we no, we won't. No, no, we don't. Uh, you know, during this lockdown period, Mike Davidson of Course Use Trust, who helps people move away from same sex attraction. He's had his PayPal account closed. Barclays Bank um, has, closed his, has closed the accounts. He's been uh, removed from Facebook, Instagram, and MailChimp. Well, does the, does the church care? This man is the man who loves the Lord Jesus, who sees people go transformed in their lives because they've been addicted. That is happening right now. I don't know how to speak more loudly, more clearly. I don't mm. know how to warn the church more clearly. You see, the thing is, we can do great services um, mm. online, let's say. We can do this kind of thing, but unless we are contending where the truth is really under attack at this point in our culture, in our society, then we're not, you know, we're not really uh, professing and confessing the gospel. One of the things that's concerned me is the Bible has been used almost as a way round it. For example, well, it doesn't matter. The churches are closed. The church isn't a building. We are the people, for example. Um, and so, you know, we are doing this and we're doing that. And the gospel's going out online, which you mentioned, and kind of missing the central point, um, which could be a place of no return if we don't wake mm. up, speak up, stand up and, uh, and be a voice in this time. Mm. Well, I, I mean, you know, great things have been happening online and we applaud that. But, you know, what about the people that can't get online? Yeah. What are the people that can't get to us? Well, and also what about, and it's not about the people who are pretty together. I think being online and that being sufficient means you're quite pretty together, usually pretty middle class, usually living in a pretty nice home. What about the guys that are on their own? What about the people who are struggling with addictions? The people that you need to meet, that you need to see. What about the people that are stuck in the domestic abuse situations? What about the kids that are suffering? How are we going to find these people if we can't meet, if but we can't be open? Yeah. The Bible is all about one another and meeting together. The Bible doesn't say anywhere, stay in your homes and connect somewhere. I mean, yeah. the very heart of, of community 
it is face to face it's lay hands on one another sing together with spiritual psalms that there isn't a biblical uh, mandate for this unless you're put in prison for your faith or something like that somebody like Richard Burnbrand who's in isolation but but the there it it's like I said at the beginning it's using these things to detour and make okay a situation that isn't okay from my perspective I think what you said about the church under um under persecution how does it happen it's one little freedom after another it doesn't all happen in one big swoop it's the marginalization of christians it's a kind of health and health and safety equality and diversity meaning you can't say that you can't think that you can't do that as a teacher you can't you can't say that uh, god's way or god is the, the, the jesus is the only way to heaven or you can't say that marriage is between a man and a woman you'll lose your job if you say that uh, you can't wear that cross it's a health and safety risk uh, yeah. You can't open your church as a health and safety risk. All of these things happen bit by bit until you've lost your freedom. But remember that wherever persecution, in China, there's a church. There's yeah. a church that's still functioning. In Russia, there's a church, a church that still functions. In Nazi Germany, there was a Reich church. You know, there were people in the neighborhood in, in, during apartheid. There was a church promoted the system we have right. to remember that there is a church that that aligns itself with the government when the government or with the systems when the systems are not doing what God commands the church is not speaking the resistance we're not seizing the wheel. We're not seizing the places of influence to say, this is where we need to be for the good of society, for the common good. Because Jesus Christ, we've relegated Jesus being to being one truth amongst many, when actually he, he is the truth, when he is the all-commanding authority. And we submit ourselves, you know, this kind of idea of Rome, the, the Romans 13, that, you know, we are to submit. Yes, we are. You know, that is when government is probably submitting itself to God. When the government begins to compel us to do things um, that are contrary to God's purposes and then forbids us from doing the things that he commands, at that point we have to contend, as we are doing a Christian concern with the Christian legal center, we have to contend for God's truth for as long as we can within the systems. That's why we go to court. But it may well be that the systems will cut us out. So like Mike Davidson, they're seizing our bank accounts. I myself have been under um, investigation three times last year, our organization under investigation by the Charity Commission, by I was under investigation by the Bar Standards Board. This is, you know, this is, this is, and, and that, that was, a, and I was reported by someone from, who was from within the Church of England mm. in a legal position. Yeah. So, you know, the, these things are actually occurring. We have to contend. We have to keep on contending and know that God knows the end from the beginning. Yeah. And we need people in the church to rise up. We did a podcast with Dr. Michael Brown. I don't know if you know yeah. who that is, but he, um, we, we're talking a lot about some of the stuff going on in culture today, like cancel culture and things like that, which is 
some of what you're talking about kind of comes into that whole council culture we'll try and eradicate you get you off everything and um he was saying uh to to the church if you think this is just something happening outside the church he said it's not and it's going to come hard at the church soon it's coming for everyone and you need to get ready and so he was a very strong warning everyone in the church this is coming and yeah. uh, ultimately he said this isn't about what's happening in the world ultimately this is going to end up completely directed at attacking the church so so can i take this back to to the individual person now we kind of talk globally about the church etc um one of my con- our concerns has been is what is happening in the minds of people during this time and um while most individuals are not in positions of authority like yourselves or even within the church they're not in positions of authority to take action they are in charge of their own thinking their own minds and their own actions and um, i'll just give you a thought or two of ours and like your perspective on it you you get so that Let's supposing that in the beginning, everything the government said we should do was right. And, and I do have a certain amount of grace to governments. They've never faced this before. They've never done it before. And they probably all made mistakes. Oh. So I do have some grace at the beginning. Yeah. So we all went along with it and we said, yes, sir, we'll do this. We'll stay in. We'll stay in lockdown. We will do, we will do distancing. We will do masks. And we have been saying, yes, yes, yes. And again, I'm not passing judgment in what I'm saying in this moment to the rights or wrongs of what we were saying yes to. Let's suppose it was right. But we are being conditioned to say yes, yes, yes to the government. We haven't had the statistics. We haven't had information. We've just been recipients. And it concerns us that when, as an individual, are we going to wake up and go, wait a minute, thus far, and no further or are we just going to drift down this sea of saying yes sir to everything and then find ourselves in a place we never intended to be and so you know personal responsibility we have outside as as people before god and what is going on in our brains and in our decision mind and in our understanding of the word of god yes well i think that Generally, we're operating in a great climate of fear. Yeah. I think that people, I think people are fearful, not just about COVID and health. It's, it's, it's as if the great thing, society has been entirely subdued by fear. Yeah. Fear of death. We don't, and so, you know, and of course death, um, you know, we know that the message of the gospel is that Death is overcome. But the whole of the world appears to be in the grip of the fear of death when Jesus overcomes death. And so I think there's a, there is something to say, um, say, say into that because of this, this huge fear that we have. I mean, again, just, just because I've talked a lot about abortion today, but when we look at the statistics, I think an interesting statistic, I haven't looked at it for a couple of weeks, but last time I looked, and the figures will be greater now, but the number of deaths by COVID across the world was something like 500,000 so far this year. The number of deaths by abortion um, so far this year was, I think it was 23 million. So let's just, just think about that. Also, if you think about deaths by poverty, 
um, by the, the you know these kind of the, the 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 sort of some of these genocides that have been going on across the world, even during this lockdown period, we have been consumed by something that has put the that has shut down the world out of fear. And I think as Christians, we've got to our, we have to fear only God. We don't fear the virus. We need to understand what we're dealing with and take appropriate precautions. But essentially, we need to use wisdom in the face of the virus. So we need to protect those that might that are vulnerable within our midst and in our congregations and in our families. But if you're a 25 year old, even somebody, anyone under 45, even probably even under 55, your risk of dying from COVID is relatively small. You need to so that so I mean I think they're just things that we need to get a perspective on in terms of working out how we act. Um, as as church people, as people that love the Lord, um, the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus. But um, and it is this message of the fact that we that it demonstrates how easily people follow, how fearful people are, and that they have no hope. What the gospel does is bring them hope, even in the face of death. Mm. And and it tells them who they are a child made in the image of God in the face of death. And this is something that we have to speak up about and get and get out. We have to find a way of doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for people that are listening to this and they, they wonder, how can I get involved? Uh, maybe they'd like to, to see what you're doing, the, the different um, cases yeah. you've got going on. They maybe want to support in some way. Uh, where can they where can they do that? Yes, um, do um, follow us at uh, christianconcern.com, www.christianconcern.com. Follow us there, sign up to receive our weekly newsletter and our breaking news. We're on Instagram, we're on um, Facebook, we're on Twitter, all of those things, but do follow us. We greatly appreciate your partnership and your prayers. So please come alongside us. It's, it means a lot to us if you were to do that. So could you, could you, as we close, for everybody listening, just speak to them and say, and just give a word to them to empower them, warn them, whatever you like, but just go for it and speak to everybody listening directly. Yes, I will. It's to say this, really, that the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom that the, and that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so that no matter what befalls us at this time, we are the people that know his truth. And that, no that I, we are the only people that can speak his truth into this culture that stands against him. And we must you know courage is the flower of conviction. And we must have sufficient, we must have the courage to come into conflict with the culture because we love the Lord Jesus Christ and because we know that he brings hope and life and beauty and truth and forgiveness and that's the message of the church and each if we all do this in our homes in our communities and in our church space then we will see family lives revolutionized we will see communities lives revolutionized and we will see nations lives revolutionize and we'll be able to stand against the evil one because we fight against principalities not against you know we've got to pray for the government 
as you said, as you said, you have grace because they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And so we have to, you know, this the it's the evil one that is loves to do tricks in the darkness. And it's our job to be salt and light. Um, you know, and it's light that exposes all the darkness in all its ugliness that bursts the ugly boil. So, so with a generation to generation conclusion, I would just say we have a generation coming up behind us and what we accept, <clears throat> they will embrace. And yeah. we have a responsibility to them. We have a responsibility to Jesus to stand up. And we talk about Mordecai and Esther. He didn't just send Maud Esther out to stand. He led the way first. And when he looked at her and said, you were born for such a time as this, it wasn't a nice phrase on the wall. It was a moment to give your life for. And so we have a responsibility to the next generation to give our lives for this so that we can look in them in the eye and say, and you too were born to stand in times like this. That's so it. That's our G to G finish. <laughs> Andrea. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for, for you, for, for what Christian Concern do to keep an eye on what's happening in the world right now in government. And um, yeah, we, we appreciate it. We need people like you out there. Yeah, can we thank pray you. for you, Andrea, to finish? Can we thank just you. pray for you and, and for the work that you're doing? Thank you. Father, we thank you that you have indeed raised Andrea and Christian concern for your purposes and your plans. Thank you that you have made them in word and deed a prophetic voice to the nation. And we pray that that voice will be heard, that that voice will pierce the darkness and by the power of your Holy Spirit will be heard through the churches of this land. We pray that pastors, leaders and, and people would rise up and say, we will be like Daniel. We will not bow down when we're called to bow. We will stand at the open window and declare our God reigns. So thank you for her. Father, I pray that you would bless her family, that you would protect her in this hour, that you would protect her family, and that when she is weary, you would give her strength. Thank you for her passion. Thank you for her love for you. And we pray, Andrea, in the name of Jesus, the blessing over you, over your family, and over that ministry. And may you go from strength to strength, and may you may there be many who will be Aaron and her in this time and, and in this age. In the name of our precious Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If this impacted you, please rate us and subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or another podcast platform.